Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week, along with special guest Ross Holliban, we will be doing a deep dive into Return of the Jedi in honor of its 40th anniversary. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter and Hive at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. Also, Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Plus, Force Ghost Conversations is now live on Patreon. If you are a fan of the podcast and would like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. All right, everybody, welcome back to another installment of Force Ghost Conversations. I'm so thrilled to get into this incredible episode with our special guest and first-time guest on the show, Ross Holbin. Of course, many of you know him from various things around the Star Wars um, fandom universe, if you will, but he is a writer for Fantha Tracks, and he's appeared on several different podcasts in the Star Wars galaxy, uh, at least among some of our friends recently, particularly, I think, the podcast Stardust. Um, so we're thrilled to have him on, and he's also the host of his own podcast now called um, Co Album Cockpit Podcast, which is just really incredible. I love that he is doing that, and um, he definitely he plugs it so well in, in our discussion later on. Um, so I hope that you're able to check it out. I'm, I'm very excited for the future of that podcast and all the cool things that they're doing there. So be sure to check out all of that and support Ross on that endeavor. I think it's really incredible what he's doing over there. So before we get into our anniversary, 40th anniversary discussion of Return of the Jedi, I want to get through some Cloud City gossip. And I, I think you all know what's coming in this episode, but it's going to be a little sad here for Force Ghost Conversations in our Cloud City gossip episode of portion of this podcast. But let's get to it nonetheless. So to start, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the new film, has now premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Reviews and other details are starting to percolate online. So if you do not want to be spoiled, now is your t warning to take precautions as needed since the film will come out at the end of June. You've kind of been forewarned on that one, so be sure to mute words on the internet or just take a break from social media in general if you don't want to be spoiled to what happens in the movie. Also, again, in terms of sad news, the Galactic Star Cruiser at Walt Disney World, also you know, probably known as the Star Wars Hotel Experience, if you will, um, will be closing permanently. Uh, the Walt Disney Company announced this past week that the final voyage of the immersive experience will take place from September 28th to 30th of 2023. So if you've not had the chance to be a part of this wonderful opportunity and would like to do so, you should get on that right away as bookings are being shifted to accommodate this announcement. Um, and I'm I'm just I'm crushed by this news personally. I, I'm looking for I would have loved to have been on the Star Cruise and I hope that maybe it morphs and changes into something one day. And that's not a total absolute loss. But I know that 
you know, the Walt Disney Company is facing some uh, monetary issues right now and all that. And they're facing challenges in the state of Florida in general. Um, But I know a lot of cast and crew put this effort together in an incredible way. And I wanted to experience those Star Wars stories and how it plays out over the entire Galaxy's Edge experience overall. And I know it was pricey, but I was saving up my pennies for it, as as you should, if you wanted to be a part of this. And I I was definitely looking forward to doing that. But this is the case, unfortunately. Um, And uh, I, I... Maybe maybe something changes in the future or it's re- reformatted. But as of now, this is the, the cards that I'm dealt and I'm going to be moving forward accordingly with it. It's just sad and unfortunate. I'll have to mourn this loss as it, as it is so. Furthermore, it also appears that Willow, the incredible sequel series to the titular film, will also be leaving Disney Plus on May 26th, along with the making of documentary. Be sure to catch these titles before they leave the platform since we are not sure yet when or if they will return. So this news is also disheartening, and I I have hope, though, that we will one day see more stories in this universe. Uh, but I hope this, you know, this is a, a good lesson to all of us at home, if you will, that the power of physical media, as I still am a physical media collector, um, streaming services, there's no guarantee that things are going to be there forever. And if it's on a streaming platform and it's out of the ether, if you will, or take it off the platform, then there's no other way for you to watch it legally. And that's hard. That's hard, especially if it's a comfort show or it's a show that you love nonetheless, right? There's a dark side to streaming, which is this, which is um, because you don't physically own that material, you don't have the opportunity to literally play it whenever you want, although it may seem so when you're when you're streaming, right? You, you, know, you just pull it up and play it. Now, fortunately, Star Wars is not on this. And, of course, Indiana Jones and the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles are coming to Disney Plus later in this month in May to kind of get people prepped for the upcoming Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny film. But there's no guarantee for any of that stuff. So, again, Bad Batch, Clone Wars Season 7, Andor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Those shows are purely on Disney Plus as streaming show as streaming shows and titles. And without any guarantee that they're going to be there one day, um, that's why, uh, again, physical media is always going to be important and play a pivotal role in our society. So with that, folks, that was all the news I had this week. I know it's a little sad and down, but I hope that our discussion, Ross and I's discussion about Return of the Jedi for its 40th anniversary and celebration of this wonderful film and the hope and optimism that it inspires at the end of the day. will help to enlighten some of the mood here. So we'll be right back on the other side of the short break with our conversation. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another incredible installment of Force Ghost Conversations. And I am so thrilled to welcome to the podcast for the first time, we have writer for Fanta Tracks and the host of the Album Cockpit podcast, Ross Holliban. How are you doing, my man? Anthony, I am fantastic, and it was it was great to have a uh, feel force vibes as I was on the East Coast for the last few days before heading back to Indianapolis uh, yesterday. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Send in the good vibes across the uh, the Potomac River <laughs> on the other side to you over there. Uh, it was great to have you uh, very close by. I saw you had some great adventures locally here in the Washington, D.C. area. I think you even went to an Orioles game, too, which is a lot of fun. Always fun to be up there at Camden Yards, and that's a very special place for a lot of folks in the baseball world. But, of course, we're here to talk about the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, which I know you got to see twice in the re-release that they did a few weeks ago. I was fortunate enough to see it for the first time in the cinema during that uh, special run that they did. And that's frankly where I want to start in this episode celebrating this incredible movie. What are your earliest memories with this movie? Did you see it in a theater? What was the hype like at the time? Take us back to the 80s. It was amazing. I was eight and a half years old. And so for Wednesday, May 25th, 1983 on, on release <laughs> night, I was at Sun and Surf Cinema in Ocean City, Maryland. Wow. Uh, so that's 143rd Street just before the Delaware border. Wow. And <laughs> only 16 theaters in Maryland. I looked this up today. Only 16 theaters in Maryland had it for opening night. And that what? was one of them. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, it was. And that was still considered a large release at the time. Oh, my goodness. What? So it, there were two waves, I guess, of releases for it when it first came out. So there was that opening weekend. And then like a week or two later, it expanded. So, so you, you could have spoiled everybody to what happened in that movie if, you know, you had friends back home that maybe not have were able to see it in the local theater at that time. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It was awesome. And just being a little kid and there were a group of five families every year that the week leading into Memorial Day weekend, mm. uh, they would rent two beach houses right next to each other. And all the kids like everyone had young kids and stuff. So we're all playing each other with each other on the beach all day. That's amazing. And then you do something else at night. So one of the parents got in line. One of the dads got in line, you know probably really early Wednesday. I don't think he actually started on Tuesday, but he got, he was like third in line overall. Oh and by the time we got to the theater, it was wrapped around the building. And then they see three carloads of people getting out and see <laughs> this guy walk over and start handing out tickets. And they were, all these other fans were booing us. <laughs> I can imagine you were going to take up all the good seats. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just didn't matter. Like I was so giddy as a little kid. Um, and seeing news crews and reporters pulling mm. people aside, asking about it, it was one of the biggest things that I had ever seen. Yeah. Um, I had been to a, I, I think the, I think the Washington football team at the time had just won their first Super Bowl. Okay. Yep. That's about right. Um, yeah. So I had been to that parade, uh, just cause my mom was a big fan of theirs mm -hmm. and, that was awesome. But then this was like the next biggest thing that I had attended <laughs> by that, by that age. So I, I love like adrenaline events and big events and, you know, just beautiful moments of mm. experiencing fandom and being a part of a community and really getting into it. So it was, it was unbelievable and it was just so much. And I just soaked in all of it. I, I love this. This is such a wonderful memory that you have. I mean, what a great experience of not only, you know, a lot of us just go to our local cinema, right? But you're actually on vacation at the same time. So you get the fun of both, best of both worlds. You're in the sun and the surf, 
playing in the sand during the day. And then you get to go to tattooing at night. (laughs) The fun doesn't stop here. And then it sounds like, you know, it's probably people of similar age in that group that you're with. You were probably playing Star Wars (laughs) all that, all that, you know, the rest of the week that you were there, right? You saw this movie, you're probably playing out your favorite scenes that took place on the sand. I mean, what a great place to, you know, be after, you know, the first, you know, major scene of this movie takes place on Tatooine, a big desert. You're right on the beach, right there. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That was awesome. And just, I mean, at that point, it's G.I. Joe's are, are two years in, I think, the mm-hmm. the smaller figures and then Star Wars figures. So it's, you know, that was, I probably packed that stuff. And then my mom made me bring some clothes. Like, <laughs> that's what yeah, some swim trunks. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> That's, that's an incredible story. And, and the fact that, you know, it's so ingrained in your mind, you still know the exact cinema you went to to see this. You, you know, the street that it was. Is, is this cinema still in operation? Do you do you know? I mean, I hope that it still is. But it, based off your yeah. face right now, it doesn't look like it's a positive outcome. <laughs> it just. Uh, end of last year, they mm-hmm. sold it. No. Well, so and still in operation. Be, oh, no. Condos are going to be built on it. So. The theater was so this because this stood out to me last year when I looked and I was just oh. like, what did I see there? Because I saw Return of the Jedi opening night. I saw Indiana, Ju- Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom opening oh, night. Man. Like, all of those Memorial Day blockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> every year as we went, it was just like, what's the big movie this year? Yep, one after the other. I mean, probably, you know, maybe if I'm getting my dates right, Back to the Future is probably the next year. Like, yeah. you just were hitting one after the other in this incredible experience. <laughs> yeah, that, that just 80s awesomeness of, of growing up as a little kid in the 80s. And it was it was fantastic. But it, it closed and it was cool to see social media messages and, you know, big outlets, you know, NPR and other outlets covering this because it mm-hmm. was such an iconic place for so many people for so long. And yeah. you know what? Things move on, but it's, I'll always remember that theater as being a very special place for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it will, it will live on in, in your heart and memories uh, for sure. And now it's, it's immortalized on this podcast and other podcasts that, it, you know, the memory still lives on. Absolutely. Um, but being eight years old, you're, you're basically the prime audience for this movie. I mean, you know, you, you'd have been younger, of course, when the other ones had come out, but this, you're like, this is it. This is the movie. You're the, the person that George Lucas is like, yes, this is the target audience in that theater that I'm trying to hit. And clearly based off of, you know, knowing you and seeing what's behind your, on your wall here, it right. made a lasting impact on you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm fortunate that I, I have a brother that's five years older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was always aware of things earlier, you know, whether it was music, whether it was like sure. me tagging along of just like, you know, my mom saying, Jerry, take Ross with you. <laughs> so I got to be introduced to things early and hear discussions about them, even if I wasn't the one talking about it. So right, right. for Star Wars, that was fantastic. For Empire Strikes Back, that was just incredible. But you nailed it on the head. Like for me, I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back but I don't remember the hype for that as mm-hmm. much for return of the Jedi. It was, it was like, it was, it was all done for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an eight and a half year old. Everything revolves around you. So just like, Oh, I'm glad they made this movie for me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And now this year we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of return of the Jedi. And you saw it opening night. 
You saw it a few weeks ago when it was back in the theaters again. Over the course of these 40 years, what are the enduring themes from this film that continue to resonate with you? I think it boils down to uh, everything in Star Wars is found family. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one that's always going to hit the most. And I think from there comes loyalty, trust. Mm. Uh, another really big one for this was perseverance. Mm, I like just it. Yeah. overcoming. Hey, we we've got to go rescue Han. We've got. Oh wait, now that now the plan went sideways. How do we? We'll find a way. We'll find a way. We've got Plan B. We've got Plan C. All of these elements. As Luke is being pressured to pick up his lightsaber to take it up against Palpatine, mm. he's still having to fight back and forth the same way that he's trying to get his father to do Um, and rescind everything Darth Vader and become Anakin one last time. Uh, Mm. So it's that perseverance. It's that morality and doing what's right in the situation. So that's where it just, you know, it's the good guys winning. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The conclusion of the fairy tale, right? The good guys win. It's not like any of our main characters die which is another you know, positive thing I think to take away from this movie is we get to see the characters endure together, see the journey to the end as a team. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, I, I think you, you hit it on the nail there, the found family, the trust. The trust is a big thing when I look at this movie again. Everything about the final act of this movie doesn't happen without trust, right? The The... Lando out in the space battle is like, we got to give Han more time. He's trusting Han and a bunch of teddy bears <laughs> to take yeah. down that he doesn't he'll, even know he'll about. Get frankly, down. He'll get it. He'll down. get it down. Just give him more time. Right. Yeah. And they're trusting of Luke to basically be a diversion for the emperor and Darth Vader so that they're not down on, you know, the, the base at Endor wreaking havoc on the lone band of, of rebels that are down there. I mean, everybody's trying. And then of course they're all trusting that they'll actually will destroy the second death star up there. Once they take down the shield, right? Cause they could easily just turn the operating, um, uh, you know, the operating aspects of the death star and turn the gun right on and uh, the moon of Endor itself and blow it up and say, that's it folks. <laughs> um, and that's just the contrast of these two, opposing forces here right the the trust of the rebels is why they're able to win at the end of the day whereas the deceit and the lies and the mistrust right no one's talking to each other in the in the empire they're always like oh this code doesn't check out we're, we're taking them out right there's nothing about their plan comes to fruition because they're they're hubris they're all the the dark side traits right yeah deceit lies trust hubris uh, all that stuff that comes into this movie it just works. And I love how it just plays out as this wonderful morality tale at the end of the day, right? You were the eight-year-old receiving these messages, whether consciously or unconsciously, right? You were seeing it play out and you've been able to reflect on how it's been able to impact your life over the last 40 years. And that's really great. Yeah. Avoid that red lightsaber. Avoid the red lightsaber. That's right. And even if you, you know, you take your lightsaber and you try to strike him down, right? It's okay, right? That's the thing that I love about this movie, too, that I want to add here is that the redemption of this movie, right, is that the big theme that I've always taken away from Star Wars, right, from everything in the Skywalker saga, extra canon TV shows, etc., has always been 
no matter what you do in life, there's always a chance to be a force for good. You can be the force for good, whether that be picking up the emperor and throwing him down the 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 shaft at the end of the movie or in you know in our personal lives being kind to somebody right believing yeah, just, in just somebody hold a door for someone holding a door for somebody asking someone how their day was these little things go a long way for us being good people and that's really at the heart of return of the jedi right darth vader is the jedi who returns because of kindness because of compassion because of belief and empowering it's it's all there in this crazy movie like you know on the surface level is bonkers right there's right. a big slug in the beginning it's a gangster there's a <laughs> um teddy bears going ham on on well-trained <laughs> stormtroopers like it's right. just it's amazing um and in moving on here uh the as of now of course this can always change so date and time this podcast to you know i'm recording in may of, of 2023 this movie is the last time that we see the big three han luke and leia um on screen at the same time and does that fact make this film extra special to you it, it'll always be special and 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 that trio will always be special mm-hmm. yeah but for me like i don't know that i ever I don't know that I ever looked at it as the three. I know Star Wars does mm-hmm. so many things in three. Yeah. But to me, Chewie's in that. R2 and 3PO mm-hmm. are in that. Mm-hmm. Lando becomes part of it. And it's this whole crew together. Um, so, But it, it's always special. You know, Han, Leia, and Luke, that's fantastic. Yeah. I always enjoy secondary characters so much. Mm-hmm. I just think that's my personality a lot of times is to be... I'd much rather be the side person mm-hmm. who can do a lot of different things and, you know, oh, you're the main person, so you have to do X, Y, and Z. I can be off to the side and do these things. So I I gravitate to those characters so much more. So, I mean, if the trio is Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, and Forrest <laughs> Whitaker, yeah. I'm geeked about that. I'll be getting a picture um, at ICC outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm later this month with the ghost crew. Yeah. Except for Freddie Prinz who, who just canceled out of that. But I'm so excited to be with the original, just the voices yeah. of Hera, Sabine, Zeb, Ezra, and that group. So like, they're just all of these different factions in star Wars that I, I think are equally powerful. And I love how different, different sects of the fandom enjoy these different groups. Yes, exactly right. Is there a secondary character from this particular uh, installment of this of the Skywalker saga of Star Wars in general that stands out the most to you? Like you would buy their action figure right now, or maybe you do have the action figure right now of this character. What Lando? Lando, right, yeah, right in the beginning in in his disguise. Mm, yes, when I got that figure. As a kid, I was so excited and had that little helmet that could come off. Mm, that's great. Um, and then I love that about Solo, where yep. that's used again in there. So Woody Harrelson's putting it on in there. And, you know, I've got the Black Series figure now of Lando. Nice. In that outfit. So I just, I I get to keep reliving it. So I, I love the addition of Billy D. 
and having Lando Calrissian make such an impact there. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Do you think that because of the commercialization of Star Wars, that that is why a lot of these secondary characters come to the forefront for a lot of fans that were able to have connections to these characters when, you know, we weren't able at a, a very short time ago, we weren't able to just pull up the movie on Disney Plus and stream it, rewind it, watch it anytime we want, right? It got released in theaters and then it went away and maybe got re-released and then you had to wait until it came out on VHS if you were able to afford one or you watched it on, uh, you know, when it came on CBS or ABC as the movie of the week or something like that, right? So you were able to create these stories in your own backyard or in your home with these secondary characters just by, you know, paying whatever the eight, $10 that it was to purchase them at the time. Did that impact your experience? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, they were $2 and 99 cents when, you know, back in the day, (laughs) like I look at it now, I'm just like, man, how many of these would I have now? Um, it really is great. (laughs) It's bringing all of that it's putting the mythology into practice, you know, and that's yeah. our, our buddy Dan Z mm-hmm. would, would completely latch onto that with his expertise in mythology and how he ties it into his classroom mm-hmm. for mythology and telling the stories and how do you get there and having action figures to kind of act it out after the fact. Yeah. I think is it, it helps creativity. It helps, Hey, I can try this now. And there's no right or wrong. It's here's what they did in the movie. I want to try this. Mm-hmm. So it's encouraging experimentation. It's encouraging, hey, try this out. Will this work? Okay, this is beyond reality, but we're in Star Wars, so I'm allowed to go beyond reality mm-hmm. here. Safe creativity. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's just at the heart of what Star Wars is, if you ask me. Um, so Return of the Jedi has had a whirlwind of changes uh, over the years, both special edition, uh, you know, about that. And then of course, where it takes place in the star Wars canon timeline. So um, it was first the closing chapter in a larger tale um, or, and then it was the last part of the star Wars saga being one through six. And then now it is actually the kind of climax of a middle chapter here. How has your viewpoint of Return of the Jedi changed over the years with its numerous places in the Star Wars timeline? (laughs) I think it's one of those cool things and just world building in general where we had these worlds that we thought were massive and they were completely untapped. We had a couple locations through Mm -hmm. the movies that are just like, oh, Dagobah is important. And we know that you know, Alderaan got blown up and (laughs) now we're getting to see Alderaan prior to that. We're getting to see all these different elements. So with Return of the Jedi, what I love is all the characters that have different tentacles that go different places right now. So Mm -hmm. Hera Syndulla and Captain Rex fought in the Battle of Endor. They're there. So that's awesome. You know, we can't get an exact answer on who Captain Rex was or what he was doing. Um, but we got Forces of Destiny showing us that Harrow is running supplies. That's right. Uh, Nora Wexley was Gold Nine, a Y-Wing pilot. She's Snap, Temin Snap Wexley's mom. Mm-hmm. So just this incredible pilot. Afterwards, she married Wedge Antilles. So Wedge is, Wedge is Snap's 
uh, stepdad. Stepdad, yeah, that's right. And then Shara Bay is Green Four. She's an A-wing pilot, and that's Poe Dameron's mother. Mm-hmm. So there's just all these different elements that tie back in, and you branch off and get different stories because the rebellion is so disparate. It is so, hey, here's a small element here. Here's a person that was inspired here. Here's someone that was really upset there and joined. So you have all of these different reasons for people coming together for a common cause. And then you're also getting more out of the comics. So the Star Wars series that started up in 2020, that all picked up after the Empire Strikes Back leading into Return of the Jedi. So you're getting (laughs) the War of the Bounty Hunters and how everyone's chasing down this carbonite Han Solo and Boba Fett had it stolen from him for a little while. Mm -hmm. He got it back. I love how they're interlacing everything and how the, how the story group is helping this happen now and finding ways in a very intricate place with very educated, passionate fans who are saying, no, 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 no. That can't be right because of this. (laughs) They're like, ah, okay. Yeah. Maybe we do need to find a different way to do that. Uh, but it's exciting. It it opened up so many different avenues, and I think that's the value of the original Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Is it let the story grow, and it so many others can can blossom out of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's fertile ground for incredible storytelling. I mean, the whole beginning of this movie is almost its own separate movie. If you think about it from that way, right? You can almost say like, all right, I want to watch the, the retrieving Han portion of this. <laughs> and then I'll watch the other half of this, of this movie, right? It's, it's basically like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark is almost like two different movies. And then they basically took that formula and said, let's do that in the Star Wars for a little bit here. Let's drop right. you in the middle of the third act here. <laughs> and they did it which I think works to an impressive degree in this movie. Um, so there's just it, it in a way that it, it, it closed the story, as you mentioned, it allows for the roots to go into various other directions, as you mentioned via other canon material and hopefully future material, which I love the lead up to a new Star Wars movie when it comes out, right? Uh, I think we can all remember us leading up to uh, The Force Awakens back in 2015. And I remember distinctly watching Return of the Jedi for the last time leading up to heading into literally walking into the theater for episode seven and thinking, this is the last time that I will look at this movie the current way that that I view it as a fan right now. I will have more context 10 minutes from now about the future of what happens in the immediate minutes after that movie <laughs> than I knew two di- a day before. And that happens with every new thing that comes out in Star Wars, whether it be Solo, because the, the character beats only inform what Han does in that movie later on. Rogue One, again, the sacrifice of those characters to get us to that point again. Even the new TV series is that we come out today. Like we get Mon Mothma and Andor, who has a prominent role in Return of the Jedi. Yep. And we get to see that character arc and tra- trajectory to her being this leader of the rebellion. And with that, we get to recontextualize and watch this movie with fresher eyes and a different experience every time because we didn't just say, all right, Star Wars has ended. <laughs> We're on to other things now. We allowed creators to create the story group to facilitate those uh, creative ideas into the molds that they fit into the universe. 
And as fans, we get to reap the benefits of that, which I think is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, how lucky are we? Like, Absolutely. What a, great time. What, a, what a great time it is to be a Star Wars fan, for sure. <laughs> I feel like I say that you know, at least once a day. <laughs> um, but it, it's a great time for sure. And one of the fun things about Return of the Jedi is, and we've talked a little bit about this already, is the vastness of the creativity, but the creatures of this movie. I mean, they did at Celebration, which I know you were watching the live stream for and keeping along with Twitter um, last month. Uh, they did like a creature cantina, which they brought out a whole bunch of creatures from Neil Scanlon's shop over there in London. But I think that Return of the Jedi is just ripe with so many great creatures, new and and, and familiar at that point to the Star Wars universe. And who would you say is your favorite creature from this movie? I'll say my favorite creature overall is the Rancor. Oh, yeah, that's mine, too. <laughs> and, and the role that it plays in everything. But, you know, that's that's the one where like an eight and a half year old. I'm terrified in this theater watching watching this thing. And oh, I'm just yeah. Like, oh, how Are you like sinking into your seat? Like, no, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, and, and I was talking, talking to our good friends over at podcast Stardust about it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I got like tucked on my legs, like on my knees oh, in my seat. Yeah. How could you not? <laughs> absolute nervousness. Like, oh my God, how is Luke going to get out of this? There's no way. I think um, Luke has the same reaction too. Like you were just Luke. <laughs> yeah. So that was unbelievable. But the Sarlacc and now everything that they've done, mm. incorporating that into Batu and giving a backstory. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. With Doc Ondor, Ondars. That's awesome. But then my favorite action figure would have been Max Rebo. Oh, yeah. In his little <laughs> piano circular thing. So uh, the Rancor is my favorite, but the Sarlacc and Max Rebo are very strong honorable mentions. Man, you're preaching to the choir here. You literally listed off the three that I had my in my head that I was going to say, well, yes, and. But <laughs> no need to, to do that. I mean, we can just geek out about these wonderful creatures. And I think that, you know, I, I assume you've probably seen Light and Magic, the mm-hmm. incredible uh, documentary series about ILM. They go yeah. into extensive detail about how they created the Rancor and Phil Tippett doing the puppetry work and all that for that Amazing. character, which... Give me more behind the scenes details about how that creature came to be. Um, of course, Malakili afterwards with, the, you know, the Rancor Keeper with the, the emotion, the sadness. And we now know because of the Book of Boba Fett how they create these connections with Rancors and how really caring and loving these creatures are rather than just being monsters of death and doom and destruction. <laughs> well, and the funny thing with mentioning Malakili, I'm so interested if he's going to show up at all, because in the mm. Aftermath books... He befriends Cobb Vant. Yeah, that's a and chance. Some friends there, so that's just another place where just like, ooh, here's an opportunity. Should this come up? Um, and again, I, I love how it all gets it weaved together. That's right. That's right. Looking at you, Book of Boba Fett potential season two. <laughs> right? We gotta see what happens to Cobb Vant. He's still in that back to tank. We gotta get him out of there. <laughs> Maybe he can run Moss Espa and allow uh, uh, Boba to uh, go out into the world again and do. Uh, whatever it is that he wants to do, frankly. Um, give me all that. I think that's great. Again, I you, I wish you could have heard the squeals of elation and joy that we had in our household when Max Rebo was reintroduced to Star Wars in the Book of Boba Fett. I mean, what a proud day it was in this household. I, it, I, it, I was so excited. <laughs> just seeing him again, just the, the brief glimpses. And of course, I hope that 
last year at Celebration, you were able to go check out the Mando experience. Um, you know what? That is the one thing that I did not get into. Oh, Ross, I got, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because I got I got a tattoo while I was there. Yeah. It was like a three and a half hour sitting and had to go back a couple times and made it into the contest for it and stuff. So that was that was the one thing that got chopped out. But I saw so many pictures from everyone. Oof, and it, it is yeah. that one thing where I'm like, yep, that's that's the thing that I completely <laughs> missed. Um, oh, man, if I could take you in a DeLorean time machine and go back, I certainly would. Because seeing Max Rebo yeah. inches away from me and being able to admire all the detail of that character, as well as, of course, you know, seeing a Rancor head that could be ridden by a person. <laughs> I mean, it's just right up there with all the, the coolness of Return of the Jedi and the menagerie of Jabba's palace and all that, which... I that was probably my biggest takeaway seeing it on the big screen was I was able to see characters three rows back, three or four rows back in Jabba's palace that I would normally have never noticed before because of how quickly the scenes move between each other. Right. Where I'm able to be like, oh, what's that guy back there? What's that story? I've never seen that before. Or however you say his name. Right. Exactly. Guy. I'm like, what what in the world are we doing here, guys? Give us these like stills of these characters in the background here. Or, you know, seeing it on my little TV as a kid so many times, I was never able to pick up on these fine details. And now I was able to appreciate the wonderful work that the Creature Shop did for that movie. I mean, just all the way up to Ewoks at the end. Just <laughs> excellent from through to through here. Um. Well, Ross, I'm kind of at my last question here. We've we've discussed the why of Return of the Jedi. We've talked about your experience with it. We've talked about how it's been impactful as Star Wars fans overall and what it's meant for both the future of Star Wars, for the past of Star Wars, for the present of Star Wars as well. But I want to know, what is your favorite scene from Return of the Jedi and why? I think the beautiful part about this and, and what you'll appreciate as a music fan. Mm, all right is if you have a favorite album, you probably have songs that kind of battle for that top slot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, okay, this is what's hitting me now. This is what's hitting me now. So I'm going to cheat and give two answers here. Three out of 10 times, (laughs) three out of 10 times, the Tatooine and Rescue of Han Mm -hmm. is everything because that kicks us off. That is diving into energy right away. That's resolving this conflict of a major character and bringing him back into the, into the fray and just all the magic of everything that happens right over top of the Sarlacc pit. Uh, the seven out of 10 times is everything on Endor. Hmm. I love the speeder bikes. The biker scouts have always been my favorite stormtrooper. Oh yeah. Uh, and just everything associated there. You're getting that, that white armor, contrasting with the nature and the green and the brown and the earth tones of the forest. And it's these dueling elements that just through visual design, you you can tell who's good and who's bad, who belongs yeah. there and who doesn't. And I think it just, the back and forth constantly there, they just did it so well. And I was so captivated and like a movie should do, especially for a little kid, like it took me somewhere new. Like it made me believe in flying out there and saying, (laughs) Hey, that's really out there. When am I going to get my chance? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I hope that you were able to catch the previous work that they uh, showed at celebration this past year for the 40th return of the Jedi panel, which I thought was just incredible. 
incredible yeah. work that they did. Dennis Murin and team at ILM literally just playing with action figures and then just <laughs> using that to influence the movie. Which it's so cool. You see the journey now that we have where now you can basically pre-biz the entire movie and then just have actors show up and say their lines and they go home. Um, yeah, and that's it. So easy. So, <laughs> so easy. easy. Now. The groundwork wink, is wink. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just love that sequence. And of course, um, I feel like, you know, I don't want to, if this didn't happen for you, please, please share with me. But I imagine as a kid, you probably imagine yourself on those speeder bikes often uh, when you're you know, as you know playing with the action figures or outside with your friends. I'm sure like my friends, did, you know, my friends and I did that a lot. <laughs> and I can only imagine yes. being an eight year old, seeing this movie and then having the rest of the summer to have fun with it. You're well, probably it, even like and going off <laughs> less, less than six months later. Uh, my family moved about 15 minutes away. We went from Bowie, Maryland in PG County Alrighty, yep. <laughs> over to, to Crofton in Anne Arundel County Oh boy! <laughs> and had uh, like I had woods in my backyard. And yeah. I remember standing on the deck the first time I went to that house and I was just like, oh, my God, we're moving to Endor. And I couldn't like I had all my toys and figures lined up to take out and go out on the brick walkway and just be off of it into the moss and wow. the ivy and stuff. So it was, it could not have been better. That is so cool. I, I did that too as a kid where I'm like, all right, well, growing up in Pennsylvania, I was fortunate, you know, you got the all four seasons too. And I would love on the snow day where I'm like, it's hot. It's hot. Or in the, you know, spring, you know, May around this time when the leaves are back again and they're green and you're like, okay, it's indoor time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, as the, of course the seasons change and all that, you can have different star Wars adventures out into the, <laughs> out into the ether, which I always thought was such a cool, cool experience as a kid growing up, which only grow- happens in a place where you have four seasons. So for those in other places, you know, you probably have different experiences, but you know, for us, we got to sit on the snow banks and say like, all right, there is a Walker coming our way. <laughs> Take <Yeah>. it out. <laughs> what's, what's the weather today and what figures do I need to get out because of it? Exactly. Do I need the snow speeder, uh, snow speeder bike guys, or do I need the regular speeder bike guys? Uh, um, for me, I think uh, I, I will give you two as well. There are some of my favorite scenes from Return of the Jedi. Um, I will give two here. And uh, first and foremost, I think I would say Vader taking his mask off, right? Seeing what was underneath, revealing this, you know, I guess frail is the way to say it, right? It's it's not a horrible frankenstein's monster underneath the mask right it is a, a person a person with um conflict a person with uh resolve with redemption all of that but he's able to see his son's face again or for the first time frankly with his own eyes which i just find to be such a powerful moment between the two of them that i think carries with luke in my opinion all the way through to his last moments too which i just really that scene just always gets me emotional every time yeah. Um, and then lastly, of course, we're here on Force Ghost Conversations. How could I not mention Luke seeing the three Force Ghosts at the end of the movie, which I don't know about your audience when you saw it at the end uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, when Hayden Christensen even appears as the Anakin Skywalker Force Ghost, the whole crowd in my theater started erupting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which every, I thought everyone was cheered great. in line. Love, love seeing it. he's finally getting They said uh, Star Wars Celebration. He's getting his flowers finally. He's yeah. able to have that. that um, the the welcoming back party for Hayden Christensen has been truly fantastic over the last couple of years. <laughs> well, and I love that I've been able to see it where, where it is Hayden. Mm-hmm. 
but I saw it when it was the older Anakin as well initially. Yeah. Yeah. So it's seeing both of it and it, and it's okay that it changes. Yeah. It's okay. I got to experience it this way. I got to experience it this way. Like all of that's cool. And, and to is. me, just more writing background, liberal arts background. A, a poem is never done. Yeah. You yeah. can always change a poem. You know, just because it's written doesn't mean it can't be adjusted. And I love it when an artist takes that chance. Sometimes I don't agree yeah, with sometimes it doesn't work. Happens, and then But that's know. their right. And that was George Lucas, right? And you no, know, he added some cool things and he made it a little bit different, but I'm I'm happy all the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's it I I also argue too that I believe Anakin is around 45, 46 when he passes canonically. <laughs> and I believe Sebastian Shaw is around 70 or so <laughs> at the time of filming that. Older. And uh, Hayden Christensen's like 41, 42 right now. And uh, like, okay, he still looks very similar to how he did. Obviously, as we saw in Obi-Wan Kenobi, they didn't have to do a lot of de-aging to him to get him to look like the Anakin of episode two, even, which he's, he's 19 at that time. <laughs> so... I think, you know, canonically, I think it makes a little bit more sense to have Hayden at the end, as well as the metaphorical reasons of the events of episode three, Anakin dying there when he becomes Darth Vader and all that, that George Lucas has explained, which I think works. Um, but yeah, it's just wonderful that we have this film and it's back in the in the lexicon. I'm glad that we're able to celebrate it here throughout uh, this year with the re-release in the theaters. The 40th anniversary from a point from a certain point of view comes out in august which i'm very excited to pick up i hope you are too ross yes um and uh that is that is all that i had for uh this discussion here do you have any last thoughts that you wanted to share about uh return of the jedi this movie where it takes place in the star wars lexicon of everything feel free to share any final thoughts that you have i think it's just been great to see the celebration that is occurring around it seeing the uk not only with celebration but also they were the ones getting the posters after these films coming out Mm -hmm. this year or being re-released so being jealous over here but (laughs) we're so spoiled all the time you know all my friends with fanta tracks and star wars sessions and all all those gangs that i'm talking to seeing how excited they were and getting those special moments associated with it and then just Mm -hmm. you know walking through target right now and seeing leia in in the endor gear and just being like, that's awesome. And, and just, again, taking us back through those those snapshots in time and, and that nostalgia. So all of it's great. And it's, just, it's super fun to celebrate. And I can't wait until the next 40th that we get to celebrate. Yes, yes. And hopefully they don't even have to wait till we get to 40 years before they celebrate the next film. Looking at you, 20th anniversary of Revenge of the Sith. Right. <laughs> or even 25 Phantom Menace. Keep re-releasing a Star Wars film every year to cinema. I guarantee it'll make money just like Return of the Jedi did. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Ross, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Feel free to plug anything and everything that you'd like to, anything that you got coming up, uh, album cockpit podcast. Feel free to let us know where they can find you on the the interwebs. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. First of all, thanks. Thanks for letting me do this. This was great to finally uh, catch up on here. I know that we're we're constantly... uh, back and forth, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, hearing different things. So absolutely. I appreciate this, but, uh, the album cockpit podcast is a music podcast that you can, if you listen on Spotify, you get to hear the full album as it goes as well. Oh, amazing. 
and it is just breaking down someone's favorite album track by track. And Love it. Discussion, play the song, discussion, play the song, reaction. Uh, and it's a fun way to kind of travel through that. And it's still that nostalgia component, you know, because some of these, I just talked to uh, J. Diane Dotson is an author and I just talked to her and we, we talked about different light by the bangles mm, and we were both 12 when that came out. So we got to talk <laughs> about little us's walking around trying to understand the world at that point. And mm. we, we were able to do it through music. Um, and the name of this is really inspired by Chasna Chaddock, mm-hmm. the pilot from Alphabet, Alphabet Squadron. So yeah. she had her playlist that she always played in her cockpit of her B-Wing. So there's still Star Wars ties to it or Star Wars influence, but it's that opportunity to celebrate music and just have fun with old friends and meeting new friends and learning more about people. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the true gift of music. And I hope that our listeners are able to go check out the uh, album cockpit podcast. It sounds incredible. Uh, and I can't wait to uh, to check it out. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Ross. I really appreciate your time. And for those of you at home, thank you for listening. I hope that you're able to celebrate Return of the Jedi wherever you are for the 40th anniversary. Um, and of course, we'll be back very soon. In next week's episode, we will be talking about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in celebration of the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny film. So we'll be starting our series on Indiana Jones and those films. So get excited for that. Uh, a lot more Force Ghost conversations coming your way. So get excited. Be sure to subscribe on all your favorite podcast sites and tell your friends about us. And we'll be back, we'll be back in your podcast platform sites very soon. All right. Take care. May the Force be with you. Thank you.